You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him from the skies. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all the armies of heaven. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you twinkling stars. Praise Him, skies above. Praise Him, vapors high above the clouds. Let every created thing give praise to the Lord. For He issued His command, and they came into being. He set them in place forever and ever. His decree will never be revoked. Praise the Lord from the earth, you creatures of the ocean depths, fire and hail, snow and clouds, wind and weather that obey him, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all livestock, small scurrying animals and birds, kings of the earth and all people, Rulers and judges of the earth, young men and young women, old men and children, let them all praise the name of the Lord, for his name is very great. His glory towers over the earth and heaven. He has made his people strong, honoring his faithful ones, the people of Israel who are close to him. Praise the Lord. Pastor Bob, and uh, it's my privilege to speak with you this morning about the final message in this series on the Psalms. I hope you've enjoyed the Psalms. I hope it's been a great introduction to you about the richness and the diversity and the ways in which we're called to praise God and the ways in which we're called to pray and the ways in which we're called to agonize and the ways in which we're able to be honest with God and yet to see that God meets us where we are and lifts our spirits. And so that's the spirit of the Psalms. And many of the psalms are filled with just a richness of, of praise. And so this particular psalm today is that kind of psalm. And did you notice the movement? That Psalm 148, and I invite you to look at that and meditate on that and to think about that later. But there's a movement in Psalm 148 where the first part of that psalm is, is talking about how the heavens, the moon and the stars, praise God. The heavenly bodies. And then there's this movement about the earth, that nature itself on the earth praises God. And then ultimately, who is the last of the folks? Who's the last part of the created order that's called to praise God? Not a trick question. <laughs> we human beings, we're called to praise God. Old and young, men and women. Uh, there's a particular reference there to Israel at the very end because they are God's chosen people to be the light for all the earth. And so there's this wonderful movement that we're looking at today in how that we as human beings join the heavenly beings, the earthly created beings, in praise to the living God. 
One of the things that really excites me about what has been done in this series is that our creative team, our worship team, our music team has created a new psalm each week. And I hope you've been listening to those psalms. I hope you go to the Switzer app. And good news, September 1st, they're going to be in a place where they're going to be downloaded, where we'll have access to all those psalms. Uh, I just returned from Puerto Rico, and one night I was just missing everybody. And so in my room, I just listened to all 10 psalms and, and a wonderful time of worship. So you can do that anytime. There'll be CDs available later this fall. It's an expression. It's a way in which we're reminded that God is always writing new music. New songs are continuously being written and inspired by God through human beings. I hope that as you look at these psalms and you've looked at these psalms and you realize that there's 150 of them, consider writing the 151st. Not that we're going to add it to the Bible. Not that it's going to be inspired in the equalness of the other psalms. But yet, there's a psalm that you can write. Your own particular psalm, your own particular praise. You can just sit down and write it. That's the spirit in which we have presented psalms' greatest hits. So how do we join those heavenly bodies I was privileged this week to go to Puerto Rico. Uh, the people in Vieques Island is the smallest, very the smallest spot on the earth in the sense it's about six miles wide and 18 miles long. And my three or four days there among the natives and in the spirit of the place, I also saw fresh and new God's beautiful creation. And as our guide was walking us through Puerto Rico and pointing out how slow some of the things are in its recovery, how the businesses are gradually coming back, how the hospital is gone. And yet, she said something rather remarkable. She said the fastest part of the recovery is nature itself. You know, you cut your finger and the God of this universe created us in such a way that every healing agent in the human body will rush to heal that cut. And in the same way, a horrific, a horrific violence, uh, an act of nature happened. And yet nature itself is rushing. We saw a 500-year-old tree that was damaged in the storm. And yet there was a sense that there was a limb, there was a branch, there was greenery that was appearing from that branch, from that tree that says in defiance that God created the heavens and the earth and everything God made was good. And that God has a way of restoring and replenishing that which is damaged, whether it's God's creative work in nature or whether it's brothers and sisters like you and I that are having our own wounds and our own struggles. One of the things that's coming back in Puerto Rico is the black sand. There's a beautiful black sand beach there. And perhaps you've been to Hawaii or perhaps you've seen black sand beaches. I had never been. And I had to fill my water bottle with this black sand. It was interesting to come back through security, the airport, 
Uh, they wanted to make sure I wasn't carrying some explosive. And yet, when Maria hit last September, the black sand was all gone. And now it's coming back, this volcanic vein under the earth, through the earth. I don't know how it works. But nature is coming back. One of the most brilliant times and moments of inspiration this week was visiting a bioluminous bay, one of the few luminous bays in all the earth. And I did my first kayak experience uh, in the darkness. It'll all be downhill from here. <laughs> I wish you could see this. I wish you could experience this. But we're going out in the midst of this bay. And again, when Maria hit, uh, the lumens were gone. And yet now they're coming back about 80% back, and they'll be 100% back soon. And as we put our oars in the water, the water turns bright, white, brilliant, light. And we do this under a star-lit sky with all the constellations, not ruined by human electricity. And there's the full alignment of four planets right now where we saw Jupiter and Saturn almost being able to make out the rings. Maybe it's my imagination. Mercury and Mars. And we worshipped the God of creation. You know, there's two different textbooks there's the Bible, and then there's the textbook of the heavens and the earth. And Paul says in the textbook in Romans, doesn't creation itself talk to you about the glory and the goodness of God? And in the scriptures, there's always this clear delineation between the creator and that which is created. You know, we suffer today from a misguided teaching of pantheism that's very prevalent in our culture that sees God in everything and doesn't differentiate God from anything in creation. We are made in the image of God, but we're not God. And in the days when the Psalms were written, the nature fertility gods were worshipped, the sun god of Egypt in Greek mythology, the gods of sun and nature, you know this. And yet, in the Scriptures and in the faithful witness of the Judeo-Christian tradition, there's always this sense that, yes, brother, son, sister, moon, all created order, worship the Lord God. So there is this sense that you and I are called to join the heavenly bodies, the angels, in worshiping God. I think of Christmas night. I think of the story in the second chapter of Luke that we often just read on Christmas Eve where it says that when the announcement came that a Savior was born, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, that there was this brief opening where the very thin layer between the heavenly beings and the earthly beings was torn apart. And the angels praise God. 
joining in all praise because they couldn't stand to be silent. I want to ask you the question in your own movement in God. What, what is your God language? How would you complete this sentence? Think about this. I feel most alive and authentic in my praise to God when? You know, we're, we're wired differently, right? Uh, we have different spiritual temperaments. There's ways in which we all can connect to God in, in a variety of ways. And yet we have got to find our language. We have got to be a people of praise. Because we have a God that is waiting to receive his due. And it is true. Regardless of how you praise, God inhabits the praises of his people. For some of us, it's silence. Mm. God is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. And in Revelation, there's that one reference where it says that in heaven it was still and quiet for half an hour. <laughs> what does that mean? And the psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. Be still and be. But for some... <laughs> Uh, we're also called to shout God's praise. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. That's what the expression of praise and worship is as well. In vacation Bible school this past summer, the children were rocking this place. And there's a picture that I want to show you in particular of this one girl. <laughs> And a boy and a girl around her. And oh, what is she doing? Her mouth is wide open. What is she doing? She is praising God. What is your expression? What is the ways in which God is calling you to worship and praise I like the original work of Gary Thomas, an author who lends himself to nine different spiritual temperaments in terms of how that we're wired. And again, this is a way in which we're saying that what trips your trigger, what connects you to God is different than what will trip my trigger or connect with God, and it's all good. But some of us are intellectuals. Some of us, God will reach us through the mind and the project uh, the process of logic. Some of us are more activists. We come spiritually alive when we are doing things in terms of justice in this world. Some of us are caregivers. We exude mercy. We ooze love. We're most alive when we are the hands and feet of Jesus' compassion. Some of us are enthusiasts. We raise our hands. We, we shout God's praise. We, we live in this sense of the presence in a charisma that becomes very natural for us. On the other side, some of us are contemplatives, and we're quiet. 
And we know that God is closest when we're able to still into that place where we hear the still, small voice, the whisper of God. Some of us are naturalists. We are closest to God in the midst of creation and His handiwork. Some of us are sensate. You know, we, we, we feel God's presence. Do you ever just put out your hands and, you know, when no one's looking and when you're on your own? Or so, so oftentimes, I've experienced this. just feel like there's hands joining my hand, the touch, the feel, the sight, the hearing comes alive. Some of us are traditionalists, and we, and we love the traditional exactness and the rhythm and the poetry and the litany. Some of us are ascetic, given to a much more simplicity in life. How has God wired you? Which of these temperaments connect the most with you? Come alive in them. For the glory of God are human beings that are fully alive. And in all the experiences I had in Puerto Rico this week, it was the people that blessed me the most. It was my privilege to go and to bring a $30,000 check, thank you, Schweitzer, for the church there to be able to purchase a van so that they can now host mission teams that will be working to construct and reconstruct the upper level of their building. That's the church itself, connected to a clinic as well as a guest house. In the upstairs of that church, you'll see the devastation of Hurricane Maria, where the roof is gone and... That's what it currently looks like from my camera. And over the course of the next several months, all that devastation is going to be repaired and the roof is going to be put on. And this church will once again be fully functioning. But now they only worship in the lower level, which is a beautiful space of worship. Last Wednesday night, uh, I went to their prayer meeting. And uh, if you think our services are long, they have two-hour services. Uh, on Sunday morning, on Wednesday night. And as we gathered in that place, uh, Pastor Alex led us in a time of praise. We read several psalms. He spoke to us in English some to interpret to the four Missourians that were there, surrounded by the natives. And then they called for people to pray. And there was a desperation. There was an intensity there was an intentionality that even though I could not understand the words, it was very, very strong. And in the midst of this, they prayed for a school teacher. And there's a picture of one of the sisters praying for the school teacher. As school is starting in Puerto Rico this coming week with Pastor Alex there. And then one of the most moving times and experiences is when we were then invited to turn to each other. We were just invited to, to pray. And so there was a brother that came, and he just put his hands on me, and he prayed for me. I didn't understand a word he said, except for Senor. 
<laughs> and then I prayed for him. He didn't understand a word I said. And yet we did. It was a language of love. The power of the Spirit. And then the last thing we did was they, they put us four Missourians in a circle. And they surrounded us. And they prayed for us. In the presence of God. It's real. I want to invite you to find your voice. I want to invite you to know your God language. And I want to invite you to be a person that regardless of what's going on in your life or who you are, to know that God inhabits the praises of his people. I want to invite you to stand with me. And there's a a series of questions that was written by a professor, Johnson, in Regent College. And when I ask the question, you'll know to answer yes, okay? So what does it mean to worship the living God? Does it mean uh, coming with a spirit of humble reverence? Or does it mean coming with a spirit of joyful celebration? Yes. Does it mean standing as though we are citizens before a sovereign God or lifting our hands as though we're little children before a loving parent? Yes. Does worship mean sitting before God in attentive receptivity or dancing before God in reckless abandonment affection? Does it mean singing those stately hymns, those poetically exact, theologically deep, or does it mean singing those simple choruses, which because of the repetition allows the heart to simply bask in the presence of God? Yes, you're a little weak. <laughs> Is the God that we have gathered to worship the transcendent one, high and exalted above the heavens, or is the God we worship the eminent one dwelling among us and with us and in us? Yes. Is the Bible the work of human beings like you and me, the prayerful memory of the words and deeds of Jesus? Or is it the work of the Spirit, God's inspired word? Yes. Is Jesus the Holy One whose purity is like the fire that melts us into broken-hearted confession? Or is Jesus the gracious one who throws his arms around us even while we're still dressed in the filthy rags of our sin? Yes. Is Jesus the lion whose roar brought into being the universe with all its galaxies? Or is he the gentle lamb whose shed blood takes away the sin of the world? Is he coming again? 
to one day redeem the created order? Or is he already here redeeming even now? Yes. Yes. God, you are the great redeemer, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as you created all creation into being, we give you praise and thanks, eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus, we are grateful that you are the Redeemer who has come to shed your own blood for our sins. We thank you that we can come now in your mercy and your grace and approach your throne boldly and in full confidence. And so we remember this day, the night in which you were betrayed, that on the night that you took bread, you gave thanks and you broke it, and you gave it to your disciples and said, take and eat this, for Christ, I have died for you. And after supper, you took the cup and you gave thanks over it. You said, this is the blood, the shed blood for the remission, the removal of your sins. As often as you do this, brothers and sisters, Do it in remembrance of Christ. Pour out your Holy Spirit, Lord, on these gifts and on us in this time of worship that we might truly be the body of Christ, redeemed by your blood and your witness in this world. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen Amen or yes, have a seat.